Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 141. I have quickly interrupted the discussions we were having with uh, our co-host, Mr. Edward Martin, on the All In series, and our host, who I'll introduce you to in a minute. And I'm sure we're going to get back into what we were talking about just before, because there's a few things we absolutely cannot let Ed off with us not having a chat about. And uh, yeah, it's going to be quite entertaining for you. But before we get into that, I'm going to welcome you, uh, or welcome our guest today, person I've known for, I would say, four four years. I'm sure she'll correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Um, and that's Bethany. Bethany, would you like to say hello? Hi, everyone. Uh, yes, my name is Bethany. I have known Wallace for, yeah, four years. Halloween 2019, if I remember correctly. And I, 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 I would, I was kind of hoping you wouldn't bring that up. In fairness, because in this, this I like this already. This takes us to another story, Mister Martin, which is happening. Um, <laughs> as you said, Halloween twenty nineteen. Brodick Castle is a castle in the Isle of Arran. If you've ever seen a twenty pound note from back in the day, you'll have seen Brodick okay. Castle. They were on there. I don't like that you're listening so intently to this. And they set up. It's in fairness. It's really good. Like a proper authentic walk through Halloween like scary thing yeah nice and uh, I mean it's like it happens out in the woods oh, you part of it? none of that we're, we're like paying to do it just <laughs> <laughs> you I'm just I don't like this pairing I'm not a fan of this combination of you two uh, this has been a mistake uh, you've ever you know, seen a baby cry <laughs> I'm not happy about this I'm really not happy about this uh, he puts babies to shame oh. <laughs> I was going to tell the story and try and make myself out to be good, but I realised there's no chance because Bethany will call me out and lie and you'll jump on it, so I'll be honest. You started at the visitor centre, you walked up these stairs that were in a very dark woods, you then came to the castle, you went through the castle, a person is dragging an axe behind you, there's people jumping out at you every, every moment, a person runs across the street, one ran yeah. into a tree, poor bugger. <laughs> uh, you, you sit genuinely... <laughs> well, it could have been you to be fair. <laughs> I'm sick of this, Edward. I've never called you Edward, it must be serious. No, it um, must be annoying. I can't remember your middle name, but I know it's G, who work it out great. No, anyway. <laughs> um, you, that grant, that's it. you then sit in this little teepee hut with a chair around the outside, right? And you're like, ha, we're safe, right? Finally, finally we're safe, okay? There was a man under the seat. <laughs> <laughs> and I screamed the house down. Also, um... <laughs> When this was happening, my good friend Danny McAllister was with me. He was arguably more scared than me. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah, well, if I could find the video quickly on the podcast, I might let you guys talk for a second and then bring it up. Sorry, Daniel, if you're listening. I'm guessing you're not. Uh, but we proper got Daniel an absolute peach. Like he, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. But what made this worse is our guest today, our friend Nicola and Nicola's boyfriend at the time, Ronan, reacting to nothing. Like not not like just just sauntering through the whole joint like what are you scared about? What are you scared about? It's just nothing. It's just a castle. Petrified. Hearts pumping. <laughs> Could knock someone out with my heart. Like and they're just sitting having a giggle. Worst day of life. I'd I'd have been in the same boat as you Bethany to be fair. You know it's in the horror movies when they, they go for the week. That that's I was I was holding out and being strong so that I wasn't gonna be the first. That was what it was. <laughs> Hundred percent. You know, in them things, I did one of them uh, very similar things at uh, Blackpool Pleasure Beach. It's one of the things you walk through and like jump scares and all that. And uh, apparently, like they actually tell each other, um, 
like that one. Madden Two Swords. Um, no, uh, I don't know. It was like right at the Pleasure Beach. It was like right next to it. I don't know. Um, and apparently, I actually, like, say, yeah, go for the. <laughs> I, I don't like this. I'm I'm notably against this. I situation. really want to go with you to one now. It's actually really good. If the castle's doing it again, I'll let you know. Right? Nice. I'll let you know. In so, Wallace's defence, it was a very good haunted house. Yeah, and yeah. what made oh. it a bit more was because it was outside, it was a bit picturesque in an old castle, so we will let him off. Yeah. I've got a feeling he won't, Bethany. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just... you know, I'm just going to quickly put this into perspective for the listeners. You film 140 episodes of a podcast. You find yourself in a position where you have quite a healthy product, a media thing 0.4 million people have listened to. You've asked a friend that you think's a friend on to assist you, and you continue to ask on people that you either know or don't know because you think they'll offer a good story, and then they treat you like Bethany and you have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you've got to give the people what they want. And, and that's me being bullied. Well... If I was a listener, I would enjoy it. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And moving on with bullying hosts of the R2 cast. About 12 hours ago, I received a message from Mr. Edward Martin here. And he said, Wallace, we have an issue. Now, this is the second episode we've filmed tonight. The last episode was the one with Martin Holman from a couple of weeks ago, which I'm sure you'll enjoy as well. A Norwegian celebrity who actually didn't take the piss out of me once. A lovely man. No, he had a time scale. We didn't, we didn't have time to get into it. Yeah, and he still problem. managed to call me a roaster. And About I, several times, actually. And then he did two chords for a bungee jump. And yeah, yeesh, yeah, he really went to town. Everyone seems to. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> Ed got in touch saying, I don't think we're going to be able to do the podcast today. I've got no voice. So we're just going to share with you. I don't have a clue where the mic is on this here machine. Um, I don't know. You'll but be right. Oh, you'll you'll be right. Here we are. Uh, it's just... Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> it doesn't sell them well. Hey, do you want to tell us why that is? I didn't get in until 5.30 a.m. on the Saturday night. Two days ago. This it is, is now Monday at evening. quarter past eight. <laughs> this man can barely still speak. <clears throat> Blame the Australians. Hey, tell us about your Australians. Uh, tell us about your Australians. Um, so last Monday, um, I didn't even barely know the names and now living here. Why? Uh, rugby. Um, so they just met, I don't know, the um, new guy in Dumfries and they just um, wanted to come play rugby for a year. So. And uh, they're just like, oh, it's needed a place to stay. And I was like, yeah, I'll hook you up. Just yourself, pick you up at your place. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I, like I said that to someone, and they were blown away that like they're like, "What? So you have no idea who they are or what they're like?" I was like, "Yeah, I think that's what are their names?" And uh, they were like, "Nah, I couldn't do that." And I'm just like, "I know they play rugby. <laughs> the Australians I've known so far, easy going, sound people, and these guys are just as good, if not better." So. In fairness, that friendship is how we got one of our podcasts. Duncan, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, guests. I'm actually yeah. trying to load <clears throat> the um, the Facebook page of our guest Bethany today, and the reason for that is, is because I realized Bethany's a bit of a fan of the rugby too, 
Would that yeah. be fair to say, Bethany? Yeah. So I'm outnumbered again. Uh, yeah, you might not just leave that. Yeah, there's no point in me being here, actually. Uh, this is just well, no, you, I mean, you are half of the content. Like, we've got someone, we need someone to bully. <laughs> is that about four episodes thinks he runs the joint? No, I just like to bully. Yeah, you do. Whether actually. it's on whether it's on camera or not, I'm... that's very true. Actually, you don't even need an audience. You just love to make me feel like shit. No, I'm I'm the audience. I need. It's just seems it's to take not... over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you two have got all the chance as we go to take piss out of me for some reason. But we actually do have a very interesting guest on in our own right. <clears throat> and before we get into some pretty interesting sides of Bethany's life, which are actually still uh, a pretty crazy one that is still to this day, a few months on, still impacting her. Uh, we'll get into, and all I'm going to say, if you're sitting listening and thinking, why should I continue on listening, it is involving Mount Everest. So yeah, please uh, please wait around and I'm sure it won't take much begging. So it's going to be a really good, really good episode. Um, but before we get into that, Bethany, could you just, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is, who is Bethany Welsh? <clears throat> So I am from the north of Scotland, from a wee town called Forest. If you know it, it's kind of near Inverness. That's how I always explain it to anybody when I'm in, around about the place in Scotland and around the yeah. world. Um, i grown up here from a young age, born down south, um, but my, my father was in the RAF. So we moved up when I was, um, I think I was four and moved up here. As RAF kids will know, you get moved around quite a lot, but we have been very lucky. Um, I've been here over 20 years now. So went to school locally. Um, and then at the end of school, I um, decided I want to be an engineer. I kind of known from about oh, 12 or 13 that I wanted to go into architecture or construction. So I was one of those kids that knew what they wanted to do. Um, I enjoyed school wasn't the best time wasn't the worst time um, but I decided at the end of school that I just didn't think I was going to continue full-time I didn't want to go to university I was only 17 at the end of sixth year so I was the youngest in my whole year um, and I decided that that time university just wasn't for me I'd only just turned 17 I hadn't even um, passed my driving test yet so um, it was quite daunting and at that stage I was like oh I'm gonna go and try and get an apprenticeship so I walked into the careers office and I was like not going to uni I'm going to do this and yeah kind of just roll with that met up with um construction industry training board in school and uh, took that path got an apprenticeship with um Balfour Beatty um who's the biggest construction company in the UK and I studied civil engineering at Inverness um, on our modern apprenticeship to begin with um and then graduated onto the graduate apprenticeship um finishing in 2019 so that was my sort of first couple of years and throughout that time I've been fully supported in my career I've um, had loads and loads of opportunities Um, some of you may know I was up for apprentice of the year for Scotland in I think 2017 and 2019 um, through Skill Development Scotland and in 2018 I actually won Balfour BT's apprentice of the year um, for the UK which was quite a proud moment when you're sort of standing there in front of managing directors and CEOs and um, getting sort of crowned the apprentice of the, the company for that year so it's it's quite exciting and I still to this day kind of work with that team there and support fellow apprentices coming through and starting out and mentoring um, but since sort of 2019 um, we have a scheme in the business that you can go and do secondments so I got to go and do a bit of pre-construction I got to go and endure 
um, procurement, uh, which wasn't my favourite. It was quite difficult, quite stressful. Um, same as work winning. Really enjoyed work winning and tendering, which is all about winning businesses, bidding on jobs, competing against other contractors to sort of who who will win, who can price the best, who can do all this. So it was quite an exciting, quite thrilling sort of time. And sort of, I think it was it was February of twenty twenty. I went on to my third rotation, and that was in social impact or community benefits, as it was called back then. And did I mention? The, the big old C word, the COVID, um, that happened in the March and it kind of put a stop to my um my secondment. I got put onto furlough for a few months. And then eventually when we went back in the June or July, I continued and finished off my secondment and actually got the opportunity due to another colleague. Um, she was on maternity leave and they needed a maternity cover. So I kind of took that um, stayed for a wee bit longer and yeah kind of never left integrated into the what's now called the social impact team in the business and we sort of look at how we can make construction and make a better impact on communities so we want to leave a legacy leave them in a better place we're working with um social value and making real meaningful impacts and dealing with um unemployment levels trying to employ younger people people from different backgrounds so a really really rewarding job um, and it really sort of excites me as well because coming from that sort of apprenticeship route and I'm now supporting people into these new roles, these new um, jobs and mentoring and all these things, it's super, super exciting. So that's sort of my career to now. I am now a fully fledged member of the social impact team for Balfour Beatty in Scotland. It's a pretty impressive short career so yeah. far. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? I told you it was going to be a good episode. Yeah. And we haven't got on no. to the, the, the insanely weird thing yeah. and the fitness. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, yeah, so sorry to start out. Sorry. No, that was perfect. No, honestly, yeah, that, that was, was awesome. Um, the, the first thing I wanted to ask, Bethany, and this is maybe a, a bit of a left-field question and it's maybe maybe a weird one. I don't assume there's thousands of women in construction i assume it's male dominated or is that wrong no it still is massively male dominated um even from when i started so i was i think one of the only female engineers um in scotland at the time for our business um i mean there was only sort of two or three in our class of 20 when in university in Inverness. so it, it was still at the time and i mean that was 10 years ago now but um and it, it still is. It, there's more common now. We do have several female engineers. One of my good friends actually works for the company as an engineer, um, and she did, took the graduate route. So, yeah, we're seeing more and more females coming through. We've got female project managers, which is amazing to see. Like, it's it doesn't the industry doesn't stop females coming in. It's actually the want of the person to do it, and there's no sort of disadvantage. Um, we're very much looked after, if not better. Um, and some of the some of the project managers, some of the guys will also say that sometimes the females handle it a bit better, a bit more organised, can kind of a bit level headed, take a little bit of feminine energy in there, and and sometimes it actually helps and supports a wee bit better. So um, it's really great to see, and I would really encourage anybody um, who wants to to join the industry to do it because it's so worthwhile. That's that's good, and it says like over the last decade, it's sort of moving in the right direction. You also said that. There wasn't really any barriers in the way or any issues with it, but was was there a sort of I'm gonna make say a word here and we'll say it and it's not a word, but you'll know what I mean. Was there like a dauntingness with it? Like yeah, yeah there was, yeah. Okay. I think that um, pretty quickly. 
to go into anything new is a bit daunting. Um, I think, I, I mean, I was, I wouldn't say different, but as growing up, I I had lots of um, friends that were male. I did the scouting from a young age um, and things like that. So I had that background in school. I did um, design and tech, which I think there was, again, two girls in our whole class. So for me, it wasn't really a new thing, um, working alongside males. And even when I started work, um, I was one of three on the site. Um, we had uh, myself uh, as an engineer. Um, we had a lovely quantity surveyor, um, Anna, who was there and she sort of looked after me. And um, a lady who I still keep in contact with, she still works with the business, Debbie. Um, she was she did loads of things on the site so she sort of looked after us and um it was really great but yeah no it was definitely daunting um but even then you still got some of the comments like being an engineer you were lugging about big heavy uh, boxes and um things like that and you'd always get the oh do you, do you want a hand with that like and I'm like no no like I'm fine you want to help the boys so you don't need to help me so yeah it's all that sort of things and I never got asked to make a cup of tea I will say that though that's good. That's good. First, if someone asked me to make a cup of tea, I would do it wrong. I never make tea yeah. myself. But also, and we'll get into this later on. <clears throat> Bethany's probably not the person to ask to help strength-wise. <laughs> uh, I think that would be fair to say. She's kind of got that covered, which we'll get we'll get to later on. Um, but t- tell us about those awards, Bethany. You know, one award <laughs> win and, and two two pretty major nominations. Um, what? What did that mean for your career? And, and also, how did it feel at first? Um, I mean, I'm not going to sound big-headed, but from quite an early stage of my career, um, I had been winning awards. I won the Quest Scholarship um, through the Institution of Civil Engineers in my first year at university. Um, so I got sort of sponsored by the Institution of Civil Engineers and that sort of went towards um, help with that books and studies and things like that. Now, I already had my support from my company, so this just really, really helped. Um, I was awarded, they are up for an award with the Duke of Gloucester's Award for um, Youths in Construction. So that was incredible. We got to go down to the Shakespeare Globe and you just feel so proud um, having come into this industry and actually worked really hard and because I knew I wanted to do it from a young age it it made it all the more worthwhile um, but Skills Development Scotland I mean I've worked with them for years now and from when I started they supported so um, I've known the guys at Skills Development Scotland for a long time now um, and it's really great so working with them and you get sort of you have to fill in applications and it's, it's why do you deserve this award and at the time I was working um I would have only been sort of 19, 20, so only young in industry. Um, and as an apprentice, I was working alongside graduates and full-timers who were, uh, I'm sort of supporting them. So that that was where it, it kind of came all to me and was, I've done this and I've worked really hard, so I'm going to push for it. Um, and it sounded quite big-headed and uh, egotistic, I guess you could say, but I knew I'd worked hard for it and... As I say, there was no barriers as such being a female in the industry, but th- there would have been. Um, I just don't look at them that way. So, I think from the, the big-headed and egotistical perspective, Ed and I speak at this quite often. The only people that call folk out for being e- egotistical are the ones who haven't put the same work in. I mean, if, if you're winning awards and you're getting put forward for things and stuff, yeah, I wouldn't care less about being confident in that. Be open about it, be proud of it. You've earned it. Like It's not a thing that happens to everyone and 
the people it doesn't happen to are the ones that make a bit of noise for you being cocky or whatever because it's not happening to them. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. Like I think a lot of the time it's just jealousy in some shape or form. Yeah, jealousy of confidence as well. I always found like because obviously I was quite a confident person from very young, and people would always judge you or be jealous of your confidence, and you're like, well, it's just me. Yeah, exactly. There's uh there is sometimes a fine line between kind of arrogance and confidence for sure, but um there's a lot of people just <clears throat> really envious of it, isn't there? I love seeing folk on it though. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's just different personalities though. Yeah. Some like you'll get some people that are the most successful people in the world and they just don't want anybody to know about it. It's just everybody's different in that way, shape or form, I suppose. What's what's the apprenticeship like? What's involved? You you sort of ran through it a wee bit at the start, Bethany, but what <clears throat> from the day you kick off your apprenticeship until the day you is it graduate? Is that the word? Um Yeah. 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 So I sort of did, um, I did, there's there's so many different routes and you can read all into it. I mean, I still get confused. And I, I support people into apprenticeships and everything, but you've got different levels. You've got foundation, which is um, didn't actually have, exist when I was in school, but fifth and sixth year in school, you can do a foundation apprenticeship now. And that means uh, um, sort of once a week, you'll go to college. You'll also be supported by an employer. You can go do placements and things like that. Then you go on to modern apprenticeship, which you can do in so many different things now, retail, um, engineering, finance, everything sort of has a modern apprenticeship. Agricultural. I've got to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you can do. Um, there's, there's, in fact, the this year's or sorry, twenty twenty twos, twenty three. Sorry, um, the apprentice of the year was um agricultural apprentice. Um, yeah. she won overall. So. I taught you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got all these different levels and um, then you can go into graduate apprenticeship, which is where you get your degree. So the same one that everybody goes to university to do, you could do it as an apprenticeship. Just means you're sponsored by a company. You're working alongside earning money. You're going to uni, college, whatever you want to call it. I did a block release course. So I went to college for three weeks and then I went to work for sort of three months and then back to college for three weeks and then three months at work and then um, final year exams. So um, that's how I kind of worked it across four years, five years when I went to go and do my degree. So there's so many different um, studies and, and varieties. However, I say the benefits are you're getting to know a company and you're getting to sort of do your college work. So we were doing like hydrological studies. And then I was also building a flood alleviation, flood protection. So they, they went alongside each other. I could learn so much and we were doing geotechnics and we we're doing ground investigations on site like they they went hand in hand and um, I will say it was difficult and you don't get that sort of student life if that's what you're really inclined to if you want to go out and party the apprenticeship route um you can still do that you have the money to do that sometimes sometimes maybe when you're in full time you're maybe working at um, I don't know um, in Tesco's or something and it, it doesn't really relate to your studies so there's so many different benefits and um, it's it's kind of just down to the person. I will say it was hard work, hard going, trying to study and work full time, especially when you're writing dissertations and essays and you're working seven to seven on site. It was hard work, but so rewarding as well. You um, could have given us a heads up to bring the dictionary. <laughs> it's about eight months up there. I was like, a what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's uh 
Like, I think with the apprenticeships, you've got to kind of see it long term, though. Like, you, yes, it was a lot harder work for you when you're doing it, and you're maybe thinking, oh, I could have done a couple years full time at uni and like just total social, like not worried about money, and it could have been great. But uh, <clears throat> the debts you would have had, but at the end of it, could have been crazy. Like, I'm sure Wallace would, um, tell you like when he went down that route so it's um i think we forget how lucky we are in scotland and that's the things yeah you know like when i did my masters <clears throat> i did five years of full-time education at that point and and the debt i had was was there but you pay back in line with your yeah. salary yeah. now Ed, you know I'm going to get my salary on camera, but you know what my salary is, and I pay £82 a month. Like, it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Whereas a girl who's in my master's, Sam Rosenbaum, I think was Sam's, Sam's surname, lovely girl from the States, was sitting at $290,000. Wow. <laughs> it was a point, man. Like, you're not going to earn that till you're 40. And it's like, if if, if you if you get to, I can't remember the age, but I think it's 40 in Scotland, and you haven't paid your loan back, it's wiped. Yeah, yeah, get some like that. But or if you just, become that's, a that's just a, a debt you owe in the states. Or if you become a resident in another country, that can't be true. It hundred percent is. So if I move to Spain, I lose that loan. If if you move to Spain for five years and become a Spanish resident, it's wiped. Wow, well, that's the thing. Lucky in that sense, you're really lucky in that sense. It's sounds severe to avoid eighty quid a month, but you know it's still. Yeah, maybe I'll do it. Um, but some people might just think, well, I'm going to leave the country in. anyway, so yeah. I might as well just get that. Four thousand pound a year, whatever it is you yeah. get. You can go up to you can go up to some folk up getting seven six, seven fifty nice. total. Um but yeah, uh, social impact team is is one of those things <coughs> that, that um pardon Ed on his inability to, I did see almost get caught out a minute ago, but he managed to pull through. Uh, through. <laughs> uh, that that seems like one of those divisions that only big companies have. Yeah, like you know, the ones that are really sort of trying to change the game, Balfour B obviously the biggest sort of in their line of work um is that that you mentioned rewarding earlier on is that the part that's rewarding i bet that's a lovely job it'll, it'll have its trick it'll have its tricky parts 100 but so yeah. i'm really trying to make yourself as part of a community yeah that must be nice yeah so social impact is very new i mean i don't um when i joined the company it didn't really exist it kind of sat under something else you may have heard it as sustainability um you've got so many different things um social economical um it all those things it's actually in lots of small companies now everyone's working towards net zero especially in in scotland we're working to create zero carbon um so everyone has to be seen to be doing something and um, the bigger companies obviously we have the resource and dedicated people i'd say it was rewarding um because we're working alongside i mean construction we're creating so much carbon we're building things we're, we're changing the land and we've really got to give back. I mean, it can be as simple as um, working with design teams to change the seed type in the grass that we're going to lay after the project. You change it to wildflowers. Like, it can be as simple as that. Or working as teams to volunteer when we were working in the Cairn Gorms project. We did lots of volunteering days and we supported the rangers who work in the Cairn Gorms. And instead of it taking them a whole week to do, we did it in one day with like 10 volunteers. And we cleared all the paths for the walkers and the hill and mountain bikers and things like that. So it's so rewarding in that sense. Um, and again, working in with young people and 
I'm now actually starting to work with ex-offenders. Um, so we're, we're looking to to do all that things. And it's not until you're in the job that you realise what's out there and who you can help and what you can do. So I would say it's it's so rewarding. The ex-offense thing is something that has always interested me. I think I think a, a sort of a way of creating a progressive country for, for some time, sort of like 50s, probably post-war, till about 30 years ago, was, oh, we don't have anything to do with that demographic, whereas now we're realising that, yeah, they've done wrong, but there's a lot of good out there. And there's a lot of, yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, now I'm, I'm ready to change, and I'm, I have changed, and I'm ready to be part of society, and there's some really great folk out there. I love to see that. Love that. It can happen to anyone as well. I mean, speaking to the yeah. sort of prisoner officers that we're speaking to, I mean, it could happen to you and I on a Saturday night in the bar. Like, yeah. wrong place, wrong time. Um, I mean, you could, if you get caught speeding enough times, and then that's you as well. Yeah. So it could be little or it could be completely different. It could be opposite end of the spectrum. But, yeah, I think we all need to recognise that there's there's good people out there, there's skilled people out there, and what they learn in prison as well nowadays, they learn skills, they learn um, hospitality, they learn um, building joinery. So there's so much that I didn't know before starting this job. The, the prison system is an interesting one. I just said to you, obviously, Bethany, earlier, uh, that Ed and I just finished filming with a guy from Norway. Their prison system is phenomenal. Is it? Oh, um, what's the guy's name? There was a guy, oh, he was wrongfully in prison for 12 years in London and he's got a, he's got a series now. And it's yes, on I know what you mean. In a world toughest prisons. Yeah. Um, Watch the one on Norway and after that I just deep dived into it. They, they don't see a point on punishing. They see if you can see the good in the world from inside, you should be able to see the good in the world outside. And like their their success rate of there's a certain term for it of a repeat offence mm-hmm. is like 0.3 percent like it's insane and that's purely based on the fact that there's no punishment in prison they live a life that you could argue is better than us you know yeah, genuinely yeah, yeah. um but it's interesting sorry to go away from that bit and sort of jumped into prison side of things but um yeah that's that's brilliant I like to hear that that's good uh. That that's I really what I really wanted to bring you on for that reason to sort of speak about the apprenticeships thing, the sort of the question I asked about, you know, the, the um sort of male dominant side as well. Like you, you have you said there might have been barriers there, but you have not noticed them, and and that's that's a credit to yourself, hundred percent. Uh, and and I'm sure you're going to spend quite some time in Balfour Beatty, and and there'll be more awards on the way. But uh, there's some. There's quite a lot of interesting stuff to Bethany's story for those of you listening. Um, I mentioned at one point uh, she's pretty strong. Now, there's a reason for that, and I told Ed the story off camera what this was about. I'll give you a little bit of background. Um, How do I explain it? I don't do a lot of gym, but I'm strong, right? Just naturally strong, being the farm, whatever. Farm strong. Yeah, that's sort of like farm strength, isn't it? Like, I don't really know what it is. Um, but I went and played a bit General of the leg press. helps. Right, okay, push the size in there. Yeah. Right. I'll give you a little story, actually. Before I'm you being you. serious. It's true, though, but I can see the wink in your face, right? So the, 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 the uh, cheek in your face. And this is another story, a side story. Lauren Estale, Ed and I's Young Farmers Club. Um, 
two weeks prior to recording this, uh, went up Criffle, which is the, the hill in, in, in Dumfries, big, the highest peak in Dumfries, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, with a gentleman called Ian, who has Parkinson's disease and is the father of sort of one of our, it's not mature members. He's a leader. A leader, uh, club uh, leader. Club leader. Club leader. Club leader, yeah. Um, Where is he vice, he's vice president now? He's an important man. Yeah. He's a Stuart senior was, committee member. And we were coming up with the sort of fundraiser for the year. And Stuart said, why don't you take my old man up Criffle? He's never been up. He can see Criffle from his farm. Never been up Criffle uh, by pulling him up. He was sat on like a horse car pulling up. And I can remember Joanne, like our secretary, thinking, what? <laughs> How are we getting around this? But we did it. And it was really nice. And up the top, we went to get a photo, right? Now, we'd all be given, we'd all be given Parkinson's t-shirts. Shut up, man. Uh, and uh, I, I hate, I love walking, do a lot of it. I hate more than anything having a bag on my back, right? <laughs> In particular, going uphill. Because it just lifts you, I hate it, right? So I actually paid a, a undisclosed fee to take my bag up the hill, right? But we got to... I de- hold on. No, 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 no. You're not getting away with that one. No. He what? literally, he said at the bottom of the, at the farm, before we left, he said, uh, we were just talking casually, he had the bag in his back. I was like, oh, what you got in the bag? Oh, the drone for doing the film or whatever. And uh, he just explained, like, oh, I hate having the bag on my back. Just what he said there. And he said... Uh, I'd literally pay a, someone a hundred pounds to take this bag up there for me, and I went, "Yeah, all right." And he went, "What shit?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was just like, "Yeah, give us it then." And he was like, "I will actually do this." And I put the bag on my back. There was absolutely nothing in it. It took no doing at all. There's no way. And uh, we got all the way up, and then he had a bit of food in it, and I actually ended up eating most of that food myself. So it was a double win. Um. And then we got back down to the bottom. And to be clear, I did not profiteer from a charity event. No, uh, that £100 went straight into the GoFundMe for yeah. the event. Right, okay. You were good... quite literally Wallace's Sherpa for the day. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to compare Criffle to the Himalayas is questionable. <laughs> we'll go with it. I mean, yeah. you know, you've got like, Mount Everest, Lotsey, and Criffle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we got to the top and we had these t-shirts on and like, they were small, right? I don't care. The biggest one was tiny and we all had to get this photo of the committee with these t-shirts on, right? And uh, uh-huh. I was up there and Ed stood next to me and I was like pulling it out. Like, so, you know, I didn't look like I was due next week, yeah? And uh, I, was, <laughs> I was like... um. I'm just a bit big for this. And Ed goes, so am I, but for different reasons, <laughs> right? Guy's obviously shredded. Now I'm Mine sitting here like a... hanging off me, to be fair. Mine was huge. It... Oh! <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he was pretending to be looking out for me, to which I said, I'm trying to lose weight. And he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I said? Yes! I'm stood up there feeling like a bloody... It sounds about bad when it's repeated, to be honest. It does, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, I thought I said wrong. not hard enough. No, no, no. You said no, you're not. I will, uh, okay, I'll well, that's clearly stuck with him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not left on mic. Um, you're right. sitting there looking that like a bloody chopping board. For me. I'm like a toasty with too much cheese and it was blown up. Like, it's just not working well. Maybe uh, a step too far even for me, that one. My bad on that No, one. no, I'll take it. I'll take I it. was cranky. I just walked up. 
grateful with people. Dragged someone. Yeah, yeah. dragged someone. Yeah. Um, but the reason, jumping back, I had just started going to the gym and I'd made a little TikTok. I was like, I've got pretty strong legs. This could be quite good fun. And I worked up to doing a leg press, 300 kg. Now, my hands were on my knees, which I didn't realize at the time how embarrassing that was, right? Apparently, that's like, I mean, you're looking away from me because you can't face me. That's how bad it is, apparently. I posted this TikTok, and quite a few folk were like, oh, well, it's just a tip. Make sure you don't lock out your knees doing that. Quite dangerous looking out for me. Uh, and Bethany quickly replied saying, <clears throat> um, uh, what are those hands touching those knees for? <laughs> and then I realized... <laughs> But Bethany had been doing a higher weight than me, and I felt I felt like an absolute king. I felt like an absolute mm-hmm. king, and then pretty quickly, Bethany, it made me feel pretty different. So, yeah. um, I, I deserved it first off, Bethany. So thank you for that. Uh, but tell us about um, just just the gym, fitness in general. You, I've sort of watched you since from what I think is when you really sort of got into it. Uh, but tell us why you got into that. We, we've had quite a lot of folk on this podcast now that have been sports folk or just do yeah. fitness just to be fit and not yeah. not sort of not be healthy you know and uh yeah it's uh it's quite cool to watch so why why did you get into that well i'll first start off with saying my my 300 leg press was just an ego lift as we call it in the in the gym community um i i we did it but we definitely should have been shouldn't have been doing it yeah. um so yeah ego lifting is it on not instagram good where would i find it <laughs> Where would I find this? Oh, it'll be on my it'll be on the post somewhere. (laughs) You continue your story, I'll see if I can find it for Ed. Yeah, so from a young age I was quite sporty. Um in school, did netball. Um I played for the the school team and um did I say it was was horsey. Um and I have been horsey from God, I started horse riding at about two years old. So I've always been um in sort of yeah, fitness. Um and back in oh god when did I start my gym in probably twenty nineteen start of twenty nineteen I started I got a personal trainer um everyone was kind of doing it at the time that was the sort of the theme um and um met a lovely girl Siobhan um who coached me for a wee while Wallace will know this um I went through let's just say a breakup um and as we all do it we all cut our hair dye our hair and get to the gym. So did exactly that, probably in that order. Um, and yeah, decided I was going to go into bodybuilding and um, gymming. So we went, yeah, a good a good four or five times a week. Yeah, we were we were pretty good. We still liked to we we drink though. So um, we weren't professional bodybuilders at that point. So um, yeah, I was sort of gymming um, a lot, lost a lot of weight, was looking good. And then dare I say it again, and twice in the same podcast, COVID hit and gyms were closed. We weren't allowed to go. And I was like, well, and I went back north. So I was living in Glasgow at the time, um, very close to the gym. Um, and I moved back up north where the gyms are pretty non-existent anyway. And um, we have a couple of local community gyms and um, we have some really good ones now, but back in the t- day, they were all closed anyway. So we were going to like outdoor gyms and gymming in the garden, got the full gym set up in the garage, still there to this day, but does it get used that much? Probably not. Um, yeah. And yeah, so we were kind of competing, did, as some of you will maybe know, did a photo shoot, which was planned pre-COVID. Um, so it was, it was good fun. So we did all that. 
and then yeah for a couple of um months we were off the gym and then started back um the gym community up here and as some of you all know is amazing i mean you meet so many people um whether that be weightlifting bodybuilding um just who want to go to the gym i used to go to classes like spin classes and uh, yoga classes you meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds who all have different reasons and you become really really close friends with these people um which is probably one of my favorite parts is how close you can be i mean i still speak to the girls and we plan days out or when we can tie up our our calendars to go to the gym together um and yeah no i'm continuing now to gym however and um, we will touch on the story in a wee bit um, I've not been able to gym properly for probably since um, April. Um, so it's it's been a bit difficult. I'm slowly getting back into it. I have now a, a PT who specialises in um, sort of getting you back, uh, which is, is really great. I'm focusing on cardiovascular and um, dropping the strength for a wee while. Um, but yeah, still still pretending like I, I can still deadlift um, occasionally when I want to try. So is it um you mentioned that it was to start with it was bodybuilding um was your kind of goal to start with and you got into it which is great because like there's so many people I mean I think I reckon 90% of people that like their first year of gymming you're not maybe not thinking oh I'm going to compete in bodybuilding but that is why they're gymming because they want to look better which is bodybuilding um but it's great they actually had a goal to start with because so many people, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym. And they go to, go to the gym four times a week. and uh, But they've not got any set goals. And if you've not got any goals, then you'll lose motivation eventually if you don't. Um, but what uh, is it still bodybuilding you're focusing on now? Or have you moved? Because there's so many different types now. Like there's CrossFit, functional fitness, strongman, uh, powerlifting. What is it now that? So yeah, on? back then it was sort of bodybuilding to get on stage. Um, well, I actually had a conflict with myself whether I was going to go um bodybuilding for stage or powerlifting because at the time the couple of girls in the gym were like, "You're strong, like you you could you could go into this," um. But now it's just kind of focusing on getting back getting back to hill fit. Um, I'd love to maybe one day um, maybe do a stage if I um, can work my way back to that or maybe a hydrox or crossfit I quite enjoy and I've always have enjoyed like crossfit workouts um, that sort of high intensity this partner workouts as well were always good fun um, it's just a bit of banter um, and that's what it is now it's more for fun um, until I can get back to that level but um, maybe one day He's so glad you've mentioned High Rock. Yeah, he's, he's got, he's so excited for this. So, um, well, I mean, you speak as if I'm a pro, but I'm such a rookie to it. Um, so me, with the Young Farmers, there was a brand new competition this year, and it was um, Young Farmers Fittest uh, Farmer Competition, and it was in at the end of July there. And I was like... I was really into the gym already and it was right at the end of July. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a crack. Um, and I just kind of got into it because it, it hit on really well for kind of being at the end of pre-season for my rugby. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it then. And it'll benefit my rugby if nothing else. 
And then it was about two months before it that we signed up and me and another boy that I play rugby with signed up for it. And uh, it was all exercises we'd never done before. I've just trained for rugby, so like just been moving weights in the gym, been doing uh, running and rugby training. And uh, we were using like, there was a ski erg involved, um, like burpee broad jumps, you know, all kind of high rocks type of things, functional fitness uh, things. And since then, that was at the end of July. And me and Ian, the other lad, we're uh, we're still doing it every week now at the gym that uh, his brother was at before because he's really into it. Uh, his brother, um, he actually got, I don't want to get this wrong, second or third at the World Championships of High Rocks. Amazing. It's such yeah. good fun. It looks so fun to be in that environment as well. I think that's probably what makes it. All these yeah. people, crazy people, some might say, some of my my friends um, may say that it's just crazy, but it's fun. The, the, the levels of fitness of some of them is just outstanding, like... You, you can't even actually figure out like how it's possible to be that fit. Um, but it's great that there's so many different types of like fitness to get involved in, like, because everybody's different. You've got your own different goals and like what you enjoy doing. Like some people enjoy lifting really heavy. Some people can be really fit, but they couldn't lift heavy because that's not what they want to do. Like someone that is doing high rocks, they're not, maybe going to be lifting super heavy weights, certainly not the weights that power lifters will be lifting. Um, and then some people will never do a bit of cardio at all and they'll be the strongest strongest in the gym. So there's a, such a variation that I think anyone that wants to get into the gym, there's, there'll be something there for them. It's really annoying I'm not finding, finding this video. I found so many good deadlifts and whatever, but... The uh, leg press one. I, I remember seeing it, but uh, yeah. if you find it great, um, yeah, I, it's quite cool watching the, the 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 CrossFit stuff. I spoke about this a few times on you, haven't we? Like, um, I'd Grant and Jacqueline on, yeah, talk about that at one point, and uh, obviously you spoke about it yourself as well. Ed. Um, it's just, I think the thing I like about it is the scalability. Yeah, you know, you look at a lot of you look at a lot of competitive sports, which CrossFit is, especially high rocks and that sort of thing, so race, whatever. There's a lot of things that sort of limiting factors, but like you and I could do it, and we'd be looking at slightly different things, slightly different weights, slightly different. I think that's class. Yeah. I really like that about CrossFit. I think it's, I think it's really good. Um, he says having not done it but uh, yeah it does it does interest me and I I don't know if you guys follow each other probably haven't because I've only really texted you sort of together but uh, I can see like I usually get on the, the sort of Instagram side of things as well especially especially once you get back into things Bethany which leads us on to the next question and the really sort of exciting thing I think um, you said you haven't really trained since April this is obviously September Uh Normally, someone would hear that, especially when you work out as much as you do, and think, "Why? Like, have you just given up? Are you bored? Are you like, nah, it's just I'm out of the in a rut or whatever." You've got a 
pretty bloody good excuse. Uh, <laughs> do you want to tell us what that excuse is and how you led to have that excuse? <laughs> I mean, anyway, I'll start off by saying I, I sent you the video. I found it. Oh, have <laughs> you? Yeah, Probably. on Instagram. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've been out of the gym since April. So um, as Wallace mentioned um, towards the beginning, I headed out to the Himalayas. I got the opportunity to uh, walk up to Everest Base Camp, which when I say walk, it's not just a walk in the park. We talk about the Scottish mountains here. Um, it's like climbing a Munro for two weeks solid, sometimes twice a day. It was insane. And your levels of oxygen as well. I think Kathmandu is higher than Ben Nevis. So that's the where you're starting at in, in your levels. So I um, flew out there with a, with a friend of mine back in April. And we had the most amazing time. Um, if anyone hasn't been to Nepal and maybe is thinking of it, maybe swaying, 100% go for it. The people are amazing. The place is insane. It's something else, like just to experience Kathmandu and um, flying into Lukla, which is um, the most dangerous airport in the whole entire world, which is an experience in itself. Um, I didn't tell my mum um, that it was that until afterwards. <laughs> so um, she was a bit terrified of me going anyway. Um, at the furthest I'd been, I, I went um, to America when I was younger. Um, but yeah, no, I hadn't really been abroad. Never really travelled. Um, but yeah, I got this opportunity. We only found out um, my friend won a, an Instagram competition. So if anyone's like me and thinks they're they're just rubbish and nobody ever wins them, yeah, so January, um, she liked, tagged and shared a post on her stories and got the opportunity to head out to base camp with a friend, with Nims Dai. If anybody knows Nims, he uh, was the um, 14 Peaks world record holder. Um, a lady, Kirsten, has just beaten that this year. So um, it was quite incredible. We were there when she was doing all her training and doing all her walking. So being in that sort of um, mindset and in that place with those people is just amazing. But yeah, so we headed out for three weeks, had a couple of days prep in Kathmandu. So bearing in mind, we found out in January we were going. We flew out on the 14th of April, so just after my birthday. Um, and we didn't really have much time to train. We were pretty fit. I mean, I went to the gym and we walked Monroe's together. We we hiked and um, we we thought we would be okay, and we were told by the professionals we'd, we'd be okay, which was brilliant. And we got a few bits of training in, so uh, yeah, headed out there, spent sort of ten days walking. So you walk, and um, it's it's different every single day. So you fly into Lucknow for your first day, and you do a couple of mile walk, um, to your first stop. And that day was amazing. We were feeling tired. We'd been up since sort of three in the morning to get to our flight had a four hour the worst four hour car journey of my entire life however I can sleep anywhere and I did sleep most of that and, and my friend was cursing me and um, but we when we woke up sort of close by the the wheels on the van were spinning around we've got this cliff edge to this side there's cars and motorbikes coming towards us and we, we woke up and you know that way you're instantly awake the driver was out, our um, guide was out of the car, like making sure we were okay. And we, we made it to the airport um, at Ramchap. So if you travel to base camp during peak season, you have to try uh, fly from Ramchap and you can't fly direct from Kathmandu. So um, unless you organize a helicopter, which I would recommend if um, if you can't <laughs> do bumpy cars. Um, 
<laughs> I will I hope to never do that journey ever again it was terrifying but um we flew in it was amazing the you saw Everest from the plane when you got there if you're ever going you sit on the left hand side of the plane you get a full view of Everest as you're flying over it but it's beautiful you've got these snow-capped mountains um it's it was blue skies we came out of the cloud on this little teeny tiny plane <laughs> which when you look at it I mean I can share pictures um it was insane and then did our first day walking the hardest day was walking um to Namche Bazaar which is an incredible place I mean I would go to Nepal just to go back to Namche um, they had so many shops. There was the Irish bar, which we did frequent. So it was it was quite cool. You met people from all over the world. Everyone's so friendly. They'll invite you in. You're staying in um, hotels and it's just incredible. And we walked up um, to a viewpoint that night, uh, that day, sorry, the next day on an acclimatisation day. And it was just incredible to see like something that you don't believe you've seen with your eyes until you've been there and experienced it and just taken a moment to just stand there um, there's no cars there's there's helicopters flying around but it's horse and cart or um, yaks which are like highland cow cross yeah mountain goat things they're really cool to see yeah that's a good description actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're like giant highland cows that look like goats so, yeah so there is all that and I um enjoyed my time like we were walking really strong we were ahead of other groups we were meeting people on the same day because you all sort of when you, the people you meet at the beginning you keep meeting all the way up and uh, we met a group and it, it was amazing and we got to Tengboche and we did the monastery and um, we met our group of friends and they were like oh my gosh you were hours in front of us and it was just insane we were so strong and we hadn't got sick which was um they call it um deli belly and in India, well, you can get the same in, in Nepal. However, there's no civilization, and um, some of the toilets are questionable on the trek. It's quite literally a shed with a hole in the floor. Um, so you you learn to to get used to that quite quickly. Um, and just everybody gets on, and it's amazing. And we did another acclimatization day. I started to feel very sick at this point. Um, I had a really really bad headache in the morning. Um, but I got given um some tiger grass balm, put that all on my my head. Um, had a little head massage from our guide, um, and it was amazing. I like I cannot be any more grateful. Um, for that, and yeah, it was just insane. And we kept going. There was a few people that had to be medivaced out, but Mingma assured us that so Mingma's our guide. She assured us that um, we were fine. So we continued walking and we had another two days. Um, and then it all started to get a bit blurry. Um, I was starting to be a bit sluggish and slow and really starting to struggle. Mentally, I was fine. Um, mentally, I was like, no, no, I can push through. And um, some of my friends will know that I will, I'm pretty strong mentally. Um, I, I walked around the ring of steel with a fractured foot one time. But... Um, <laughs> which was not the smartest of moves, but I did it. So I thought Everest Base Camp, like, it's fine. We're all prepared. But I got to um, Labuche and I I just wasn't well. I was so tired and all I wanted to do was just curl up in a ball. But it was so cold at this point and the snow had come in and 
after a few minutes I I started to chill when we got to the tea houses and yeah everything started to come back to normal I had a cup of tea sat down had some food wasn't really hungry um, but you you're not hungry at that altitude um checked all our levels and they were sort of they were okay for where we were next morning we woke up from Lobuche and we walked from Lobuche to Gorkship which was a I'd say a fairly easy walk from some of the ones we'd had in previous days um but I, I took I was taking a long time um every foot in front of the other was slow and heavy and I was a little bit dizzy but it we powered through um we took it slow was drinking lots of water I got to Gorik Shep, they checked my levels and my oxygen level had dropped to below 50. Which in the UK, you'd probably be dead. You'd be definitely in intensive care with an oxygen mask on. And that's probably where I should have been. Um, and oh. at that point, I was told I will, will not be going any further. I was sat on the chair arguing, as I do, as my friends will know. Um, I'm quite strong-willed. I was arguing with the locals. I was like, I will make it to base camp. We're only an hour and a half away. Like, it's only there. I can see it. We saw it on the way in. And I was throwing everything at them that I could to let them, to make them let me go. Um, I sat there and had my soup that I didn't want at all. And I was like trying to force feed myself this soup. Stupidly, I had text home at the start of the day um, to say, oh, I'm not really feeling very well, but we're going to walk till Butch. And I had so many missed calls from my parents being like, I hope you're okay. Like, where are you? And then when we got there and I explained, um, and on the phone to my mum, I I was like, oh, no, I'm not very well. My oxygen levels are like 75, which was normal for there. They definitely weren't. Like, there's video proof of me um, lying to my parents on the phone at that point to say that I was better than I was. Um, but it's something that couldn't be helped, which is so annoying to me. It's one of those things that your body just decides you're, you're not you can't do this I mean I have lived at zero I literally live on the muddy coast which is zero yeah to being up there and um, so I was phoned a, a helicopter jumped on the helicopter and and flown out of there an hour and a half away from base camp so we're at Gorikshet which is the last sort of tea house village that's where everyone sleeps before going to base camp or when they get back and my lovely pilot flew me over base camp. Um, I got to see the Kumba Icefall. I got to see climbers climbing up and starting their Everest um, expeditions, doing their training. So in some ways, I'm devastated that I didn't make it because I got so close. However, I probably saw more than most people from that level. You got to see how long base camp was. It's like a mile long, and you just see these little yellow tents all over the place, and it's just an incredible place to be. And I'm so glad I've got the videos and the memories, um, from being there. And I got to come home alive because, quite literally, up there, it's a life or death situation. I was the last helicopter out of there for three days, and if I hadn't have gone when I did, we had like a half hour window. Um, the clouds were rolling in, and we saw it on the way out on the helicopter. It was quite. It started to get quite windy. You could see the the fog coming over the top of Everest, um, and down over because you can't actually see Everest from being in base camp. But in the helicopter, you're that little bit higher. You could, and it at that point it kind of became real when I had that oxygen. <laughs> Some of you, Wallace, I'm sure, have seen it. The photo of me, my face looks about double the size. I mean, I have quite um chubby cheeks anyway but I I was literally double the size and um, when I got back down to um 
Lockhart, one of the little boys that was in the hotel I was staying at, he nicknamed me Bee Sting um, because it, it quite literally looked like <laughs> I was stung by several bees. I had walked into a wasp nest um, and it was just incredible. But I, yeah, as, much, as I said, as much as I'm devastated I didn't make it, I, I walked all that way um, and I won't forget that. Maybe one day I'll go back. I have dreams of maybe one day climbing Mansula, which is the eighth highest in the world, or um, yeah, Lotse, or maybe even Everest. Um, so if anyone's looking to sponsor anybody go, looking to go out to Everest, I'm your gal. But um, yeah, so I've not been able to go to the gym um, since I came back. So stupidly, I didn't go to hospital when I was over in Nepal. Um, I refused what? to go <laughs> mainly because <laughs> I in my head if they said you're not fit to fly I wasn't getting home and that True. was the only reason so when I come back down to Lukla <laughs> I my guide was a medic um, a Himalayan medic so she looked after me and she made sure I was okay but um, yeah she sort of said oh do you want to go to the, the medical centre and I was like no no I'm okay um, I Looking back now, I, I maybe should have gone for a checkup, but I, I used to go. I sort of chilled out in the hotel, um, ate Riki Kerr, which is like potato pancakes, so potato scones, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, pizza, burgers. You could get everything out there. So that's what I did for, for um, it was four days waiting on my friend to come to walk back down. So, and um, she, she was going to go out in the helicopter with me. And I told her, no, I was like, I, I don't care what you say. You're not getting in this helicopter. And she phoned home as well. And, and her mum said, no, you stay. You walk to base camp. You're there. So we split up. There was only two of us. We had a guide and a Sherpa. And our Sherpa spoke about three words of English. Um, and uh, she was left with him in the Himalayas to try and navigate the next four days, ordering food, staying in hostels, and she knew nobody else. But up there, everybody comes together, all the climbers um, meet, and as I said, like you meet the same people every day, so um, which is great. So we've met um, people who are staying in London, actually, um, one of the girls we still keep in touch. Um, and I actually met, met a few friends, um, a singer from India, um, still follow her um, one of the girls that we met out there Anna um, amazing inspirational girl she went out there to climb um, uh, Labuche Peak which is a 6,000 meter had the opportunity to climb Everest now that is unheard of you cannot climb Everest without climbing an 8,000 meter beforehand she was so fit um, she's German and she's just amazing she's such a lovely person like she lit up the room when she walked in and she got the chance to climb and she summited Everest and she has her own story in her own right um, and if you follow her on Instagram she'll she'll go through all that she lost her phone at the top like she lost her phone with her pictures at the top of Everest and I followed her for weeks wanting to waiting to find out and there was nothing coming and I was like oh my gosh something's happened to her and you start to panic because you know what it's like out there I know myself I've had to be medivaced out of there um, but she got back um, to Kathmandu and she unfortunately had just lost her phone um, so there's so many stories and tangents I could go on about this um, but yeah as I was saying I can't gym so when I came back to the UK eventually after much persuasion from um, 
my other half and my parents and my friends, they were like, you need to go get checked. So I was dragged to, um, sorry, I wasn't even dragged. I, I phoned up the health centre and I was like, oh, I had a few issues when I was away. Um, um, I'm still having a little bit of trouble now. What What do you think? And I, I went, I was literally, the nurse phoned me back. She was like, come down now. And I was like, oh. And I think at that point, that was the first time I was like, this is still really serious. This is still affecting me. Um, and I was hooked up to an ECG. I had scans. Um, I had all the tests. I had questions and questions and questions. And then she was like, your ECGs have come back okay. Um, you're fine. Just maybe rest a few weeks and, and let me know if you hear anything or have any troubles. And I went home and I was home 20 minutes and the phone rang and it was like an unknown number. And I was like, who's phoning me? I was gonna dingy it. But luckily I didn't. I answered the phone and it was the nurse who I'd just left. And she was like, I phoned the hospital. They need you to go in now. And I was like, oh my gosh. Right. So <laughs> a few um, minutes sort of passed and um, she'd given me the number for the hospital. I phoned up. And um, the lovely consultant answered and he was like, I need to see you now. He says, I've seen your test results. It's not urgent. You don't have to come in this minute because it was pushing like six o'clock at night. And he's like, you're you're fine for now. Um, come in first thing tomorrow morning. So, yeah, the next morning, uh, my mother dragged me to the hospital <laughs> to go and see this consultant who, again, hooked me up to an ECG. I had so many blood tests. Um, and if anyone's ever had blood's taken from the capillary and my veins aren't the strongest it was yeah the most horrible experience um and I'm not scared of needles but yeah no that was pretty brutal um and so even the, the nurse... what's that sorry I, I was just gonna say Bethany, I'm petrified of needles <laughs> and the thought of having to get something like the capillary is sickening mm -hmm. they are small yeah yeah so so in there and they tried um four times in this wrist um and then he he ended up trying three times in this wrist and honestly I mean I'm not I don't want to get graphic but the the poor nurse he was like I can't do this and then they got the lady that can normally always do it and she couldn't do it and then he tried again for that last time and I mean he's, he, I could feel every oh it, it it makes me feel sick now and it's the only time I've been like I need a sick bucket like he was, You're actually going to make him faint if you keep going. I'm oh. not going to lie. Well, He's, that was that. Eventually, we got there. <laughs> so, was... the, the, the sort of the health implications were mental. It, it, for those of you listening, Ed had to head out. Was it Calvin? Was it? Or was it? Um, well, it might have been Calvin. I used to check it. Yeah. It's not Calvin. Um, so, you have to get back and listen to that, man. That was an insane yeah, fight, man. Yeah. That was so cool. Few questions about about just all of that. I think one thing that's important to mention: there's probably people listening that have heard of base camp and just sort of think base camp's like the bottom, like you know, you just get a bus to base camp. But is, is base camp fifty three hundred meters? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so five thousand three hundred meters, like that's over three times the highest peak we have in Scotland because three times Ben Nevis would be four nine. And I'm just back from Tanzania where we saw Kilimanjaro, which sits about four, eight, uh -huh. six, five, I think. 
And we didn't see it when we got there. We were at 2,000 meter elevation, which I don't think I appreciated until later was higher than I've ever been. And we don't believe that's higher than anywhere in Scotland by 700 meters. Could you feel it? Like the air being thinner enough? No, I wouldn't say no. so. No. Um, but we couldn't see it because it was really bad visibility, right? Mm. But we drove, and I'm not joking when I say, I reckon we'd be 30, 40 kilometers away. And our driver's like, oh, you can see it. Like, just want to get out. As they do in Tanzania, they stop, like, in a construction site. Uh, a bunch of goats in the construction site, no less. And we sort of looked, and everyone's like, I can't see it, I can't see it. And, like, the problem we were doing is we were looking, like, high into the air. Mm-hmm. We had to go, like, another metre higher looking. Oh, like, geez, you know, yeah. you didn't realise how high it was. And Everest is 8, 8, 68 or something like that. It's, like, just yeah. shy of... 8,900 from memory it's like 28,000 feet yeah uh, and that's like airplanes fly at oh like what? it's insane you don't realize like it's nah, it's incomprehensible actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can't work it out and i think it's no. important that we say that base camp is and you missed this base camp is 5,300 bethany had about 5,100 that's about where gork is five five one yeah, isn't it 5,190 52 yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. Um, so close. Doctors can't fly much higher. So. <laughs> it's mental. Um, a few questions, though. Uh, Kumbu Icefall, gorgeous. How pretty was it? It was amazing. And it goes for miles. I mean, it's sort of a, I don't know the word, like it's an amazing thing to see, but you just know what that does. It's constantly moving. And I mean, I've watched every documentary under the sun about it. and to see it in real life is like, wow, it is humongous. And we're, we're actually just looking at photos of it at the minute. It's one of those things that just, it feels like it's not on Earth. No. You know, it feels like you might see in a, a planet further away from the sun than us. Like, you know, it, it's just mad. But the, I've got quite a few questions about Nepal. Nepal's a, a really weird fascination of mine. Nepal and Rwanda are two countries that have interested me since I was a kid, right? And and there's there's a little book somewhere I wrote about Nepal when I was like seven. Like I was I was a geography nerd, right? So so much of what you've been saying is just so interesting to me. Lakla, am I right in saying Lakla is like a cliff, <laughs> runway, and then a hill? Is that right? Yeah. So, so you've got the, the fear of. Sorry, on you go. You can only fly in one way and you have to fly out the same way and it's only an 800 meter long runway that the engineer comes in because i was like how long is this runway because i'm like it needs to be like a mile long and they're like no no 800 meter and i'm like <gasps> and it's quite literally you go along and the cliff edge i mean you might have seen the photo we actually went and sat at the end of the runway when i'd come back down um for for a couple of hours and just watched the planes coming in and out because it's amazing experience but quite literally runway cliff insane that's, that's like what you see in films isn't it like <laughs> you've probably seen this in films it's, it's probably, quite famous yeah I'm actually um, thinking like I'm, I'm just I'll, I'll, I'll show you a video it's a James Bond kind of thing where you've got a plane and then it just like dips down before as it goes back up the yeah what, well what was our... it was just a dirt track and they used to fly into it back then I think they still use the same planes they do now um, but that's another thing. The planes are all actually flown. So the pilots have to learn to fly the plane, like actually fly it. Whereas nowadays, like yeah. we use technology and it's yeah. scary. 
we're, we're just sitting watching it at the minute. It's a, it's utterly insane. It's like, whoa, <laughs> my God. If you go 10 metres too low, you're hitting a, a, like, the ground. And if you keep going at the other end, you're hitting a hill. <laughs> Which, Must be much more terrifying landing than going back up. But I, I always think, does it, in my head, right? Oh, can't explain this without video. It's just only really you two are going to get it. If you're taking off from Buckler, is there a drop as you come off the ground? Or or is it came off in time? That's what's always played in my head. Our plane came off in time. So you'll there may, there's maybe videos, you'll see it. The planes will sit at the start of the runway. And I mean, they go full tilt, like brakes on full, propellers on full. And then they let off the brake and you just go. And it's, it's on a slight... Um, like hills, so you go down, and then our plane like lifted off beforehand. But I guess if you get right to the end, because there's some bigger planes, if you get right to the end, it might might drop. But when you land, it's quite literally you come in so quickly, you bounce and break, and it's like proper brake noise as you scoot up this runway, and then you're straight in to the um sort of holding area. It's crazy. It's an experience. Like it was yeah. an experience. It's one of those experiences you're like, I'm glad I've done that. I don't know if I want to do that again. Is it is it that type of thing? Um, but you, you did say, Ed, when, when, when you were away, Bethany said that um, she uh, she still has the idea of doing Everest. Like, Everest, yeah. Everest. Like, one day, maybe. <sighs> yeah, I, I, would, I think I would do it again. I mean, if somebody... <laughs> could get me a direct flight from Kathmandu to Lukla, I would I would do it again or um as I say charter a helicopter because they are so much fun. So here yeah. if you do Everest, you're coming back on. And I also I kind of want to ask um was it your friend Anna the German? So Anna yeah. does, does she speak English by any chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think she would definitely um be a future podcast if if we can get in touch there. <laughs> If you could put me in touch, that'd be amazing because so Bethany came across someone called Anna who did what was the six thousand one? Uh, Laboche. Laboche. So she oh, done Laboche six thousand yeah, meter, yeah, and then was randomly offered the opportunity to do which is very fit to do Everest, which is like unheard of, and she done it. But like Bethany said, like she was following her, and there was no posts from her, and like the obvious fear yeah. was going through her head and what has happened is unfortunately she'd lost her phone at the top so she doesn't no the she's alive obviously and fine but she doesn't in the photos that'll oh, be a great no. podcast how good will that be though oh yeah, yeah. Well, i mean yeah, yeah it'd be cool to amazing person um she's so down to earth as well um i still follow her now and like we'll occasionally message back and forth so um no yeah, if, if you think you can arrange that that'd be amazing bethany but here it's it's mad to think i remember when um, you sent the Snapchat. I was just sitting at work and you were like, uh, I can't remember exactly where you were, but you sent a photo of one of the sort of little towns, I guess, whether it was, I'm guessing it wasn't one of the ones near base camp. It was probably before that because at this point you weren't in any way having any issues. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing it and I showed like Gemma in the office. I was like, oh my God, wait, oh my God. Yeah. Someone I know is like at Everest, like they're they're not at base camp, they're near base camp, and we were just infatuated. I was asking you, Bethany's really sick. I was like, "Can you send this? Can you send this?" Yeah. I was so excited. Um, 
And I really appreciate you coming on and telling that story because it's a pretty gnarly story. Like, I mean, yeah, pretty unique. Yeah, not many yeah. people win an Instagram competition and end up no. ill for four months. Because <laughs> well, I'm in September, and I've got my fingers crossed. Fingers crossed to my final tests next week, so I will be getting a halter to monitor my heart for forty-eight hours, and then maybe get given the all clear. But I can keep you updated on that. Yeah, fingers crossed, and hopefully that goes well. What kind of value would be in the Instagram prize what you won like if you were to go and actually so buy that for two. Oh, I so we went with Nimsdai um so it was his company so it was elite expedition so and every expedition is its own tailored cost so there's no like definite cost but you'd be oh we got gifted um so grateful we got gifted boots we got gifted rucksacks and we got gifted clothes socks all that sort of things mittens because you're you're down to like minus figures up there and so that alone would be a couple thousand pounds each and then the actual trip itself uh, we got gifted our flights from the uk out there which are like 12 1500 pounds um each and then you had your insurance which was four or five hundred pounds and then you had the actual trip itself so you've got your guide um and all the tea houses you're probably maybe three three and a half thousand then your tips on top of that um so your your porters and your sherpas don't get paid a wage out there so you pay um we we paid that alone ourselves um but they don't get paid a wage i think it's something like two pound a day or something silly like that so you you pay them in tips and same with your guide so yeah i would say a good sort of 10 10 grand that's insane man i look at the, i have never entered an instagram competition i've never heard of anyone winning an instagram competition full stop never mm-hmm. mind that value it's usually like a pair of shoes like 100 pound value something you know yeah and i've never seen someone win them no <laughs> No, me neither. And I, I thought it was total rubbish. I was like, why are you tagging me? And then that. And then see, when we saw the Instagram story of like, winner is, we were like, shut up. We were like, and I like, I didn't believe it. I remember because I was working. I had just got off a call with my boss. My phone rang. And I literally phoned my boss back. And I was like, can I get three weeks off in April? <laughs> like that. We didn't at this point believe it was real until I think we had our flights booked. Um, through That's it was crazy. insane like and you'll also find if you go to nepal top tip they all work on nepali time which is fine for me because i work in nepali time like if i tell you i'm going to be somewhere i'll probably be half an hour late they're even worse than that like we were trying to organize this whole trip we weren't getting replies for like two three days and we're like we're stressing out here um but yeah you'll, you'll find out that some of the sherpas and guides they're like uh, right 7 a.m here and they actually work to English time, then they'll be there at 7 a.m. But some of the locals will be like, nah, seven. What's that? It's hilarious. That is that was the exact same case in Tanzania, not Rwanda, but Tanzania. I mean, we Paul Carruth and I, I don't know if you know Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul and I um shared a room with a guy called Oscar from Finland. And Oscar's like ex-military, as everyone is in Finland, like it's the law. Uh, and uh, it was every morning. So, boys, today what we're doing at nine o'clock is the Oscar, ditch the schedule. <laughs> We've never been on, I'm still waiting for the thing that was at half 11 that morning. You know, like it just, it never happened on time. Yeah. But uh, 
No, here, Bethany, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm sure those that have waited around for the full thing that we're, we're talking about apprenticeships and construction at the start certainly didn't expect what was coming. And when I said to you, I was, I've got a banger of an episode, you're like, oh, what's on? And I'd said the apprenticeship and construction and all this sort of thing. And I intentionally didn't say the last thing. I was like, oh, big into sort of weightlifting, that sort of thing as well. And like, yeah, oh, and I was like, oh, that's yes, cool. That's yeah. And then I was like, oh, and by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you originally asked me, I was like, oh, gosh, you must be running low on people. But... <laughs> You almost died. Like yeah. the, the, at the at one of the highest points on the planet. You know, like even even base camp. I mean, it's higher than Everest. It's higher yeah. than the highest peak. It's on. It's higher than Kilimanjaro. Yeah, yeah, higher yeah. than the highest peak in Europe. Higher than the highest peak out with Asia. Asia. Like, hey, like we don't realize how yeah. mental base camp is. Yeah. And you were two hundred meters off it. Yeah. And the only reason you didn't make it was you were less than 50% oxygen. That's the coolest story, man. That's not really cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so cool. Like, so many people um, have had on, for you. they're like, uh, yeah. Um, they're like, ah, oh, like, why, why do you not meet my story? Yeah. Like, I'm just a normal person. You don't, uh, you'll get way more than me. Like, yeah. And they're like, nah, once you get into it, surprising how cool. Um, people are that you just think just the guy next door. This one's this one's up there though for me. Yeah, like, uh, the, the second. I think it's and the I, range. Like yeah, we went from talking about construction to like being up Everest to deadlifts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we've done the full shebang. It lit, and then literally a an almost dead lift off of base camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I mean it's a, it's been a it's a story and a half and, and appreciate you talking about it, Bethany. But um before we finish every episode, uh, we have a question for every person and we actually have two questions and one is gonna have to make you think on the spot. So that's always quite fun. But before we get into that, I kinda wanna just check have you had a good time with us as well? Have you enjoyed sort of telling the story? Yes, I've had an amazing yeah. time and shall we say it, bullying you. But it's, it's not it's not it's character building had to get it in there didn't yeah. he <laughs> but he left for 10 minutes and then he let you tell your story I didn't say a word and then he came back you still got bullied anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been good fun but our last guest on the All In series Mr Martin Holman who we told you about earlier the Norwegian the way to explain him is he's basically the Norwegian Dick and Dom yeah he's like sort of kids yeah, 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 yeah. but also like does that. radio he's like a Greg James as well like, he's a big deal man yeah, big deal. So this is a question, and he has said your name. He knows who you are because I said this is for Bethany. So he passed it on. This question for Bethany. His original question didn't make full sense, so we edited it a wee bit. Um, he said, uh, "If you could describe your life in a movie, who would play Bethany Welsh?" Oh my goodness! I don't really know much about actresses or actors out there that I could say would be good enough to have award-winning apprenticeship and construction weightlifting and Everest talk. <laughs> I don't know who's going to cover all those bases. Oh my god, that's a hard question. Good one, eh? It's a great one though. And, and if you're really thinking, you might be realising what your next question is going to be. I'm actually... Tell you so what, who, when, when Bethany's thinking, who would play you? I have no idea. See, I think I'm probably Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> probably I was Alan thinking, from the Hangover. Uh, 
I wasn't thinking Alan from the Hangover. Who am I thinking? Uh, just for man, me or for you? For you. He's in war dogs. He's in so much. Can he fit through doors? Like, what's the what's the crack you? Um, it depends which version you get, but um, Wolf of Wall Street, Donny. What's his name? Oh my god! Jo- sorry, Jonah Hill. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you obviously mean the fat version. Obviously, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sick of this man. I <laughs> like would the, uh... say, sorry to interrupt there. Just got Sandra Bullock. Oh, here, yeah, elite, fair. elite, great one. She like, makes this so good. Yeah, she can she can beat somebody up, but she can also walk the walk. So, and she leg press three hundred though. That's the question. Wow, she has a bullock. <laughs> <laughs> so, <You're> a bullock. <laughs> actually, anatomically, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> they're still there Uh, um, yeah so if you really thought about what we just asked you there that was passed on by the previous guest so the next guest we have which could be one of a few people in fairness you've come up with a few folk we haven't actually raised anyone yet I want to ask you what if you were to ask a question to our next guest what would it be oh it's a horrible question that isn't it it is yeah. Well, I feel like you've either got one in your head that you for some reason had that ready. question before. Yeah, you've watched the idea of a CEO yeah. and like if Stephen Bartlett's gonna ask me <laughs> one. I'm ready. Yeah, like, I'm good to go. <laughs> I feel like it would have to be something probably like it's quite generic, but if you could go back in time, is there something that you would do differently, or would you do everything exactly the same? I would, I, yeah. I would stop asking my grand for the justice back in the day. <laughs> then we might be here 20 years later, not getting the piss ripped into me for looking like a turnip. That's one that justice me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Problem is there's no digestion on the go, man. It's like doing anything. Uh, that's a good one. I'm going to throw it quickly to you, Bethany. What would be your one? What would be your answer to that? I wouldn't change anything, mainly because I'm where I am today for all the decisions I made in the past. Okay, I, I maybe would have um, done maybe some altitude training before going to Nepal and <laughs> maybe taking a bottle of oxygen with me. But um, no, I, I think I'm quite happy with where I am and I'm quite, quite content. Everything happens for a reason. That is how I live my life now. That's a yeah, top-notch answer to that. I actually yeah. do probably agree, in fairness. Yeah, there's some things I could have done better, but I kind of like where I am. What about you, Ed? Any changes? Yeah. Um, not, not major changes. Um, Going to bed a bit earlier, not getting in at half five in the morning. I mean, I could say that every single weekend, to be honest. So we've just got to kind of embrace it at this point. Um, I would say I get a, a, a tri-weekly. I wouldn't say every week, but tri-weekly yeah. message from you on a Sunday morning asking for a lift because you're stuck somewhere. Uh, I've yeah. only actually done it once, and it was the me. funniest thing. Beth, you know, was, I'm coming up this track, right? Coming up the road by his house, and dear, the police would have avoided him, like, or they would have picked him up and put him in the back. Like it was one of the two. It was, uh, yeah. it, was it was a sight. But the, the reason I love hearing Ed's answer to these questions is one time, um, and it's my absolute, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Um, <clears throat> we'd Ross, who actually, I've just noticed, follows you. Ross McKelvey, Work It Out Community. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ross on the pod. I went to uni with Ross, and uh, we had him on. His question was, "If you won the lottery, what would you buy?" <laughs> it sort of looks out. It's still light, and he goes, "I really need the new lawnmower." <laughs> It was, was what was the so first funny. thing you would buy? <laughs> That's genuinely it would have been a ride on lawnmower, which did lead me to a story uh, about my mom. And yeah, oh I've, I've never seen your face light up like this story. It was nothing. I didn't think it was that funny. Basically, my mom and dad. I my, couldn't handle it for about five minutes. I was like, <laughs> got this new lawnmower and. Do you know how people like they try and sort of get something a bit cheaper and it just doesn't work out? Like you're like, oh, save a hundred quid in this lawnmower and get like a, a cheap, a cheap. I can't remember where, but it was an Asian version, right? And uh, <laughs> mom said she went out and just like put the two. I don't know what you call them. The two. What would you call it? Handles in a lawnmower that make it go. And apparently it was absolutely rapid. Right? <laughs> Mom's description was this pure ball getting driven around the garden trying to cut the lawn. And I just remember looking at the screen and catching Ed's face. It's like you were inaudible for like a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah nothing yeah. to do. Uh, which was good fun. But uh, I broke like five minutes after picture. <laughs> I was still trying to picture. <laughs> uh, poor old Laura getting a bit bullied on the online series but uh, yeah she uh, listened to that yet she's not called you out for uh, it I release about three hours of content a week yeah, yeah the people I'm... that listen to them all are psychopaths and there's yeah, a I few know. I know there's about yeah. 120 but it's good though because you can that means that you can throw in the odd story that you're not 100% sure that person will be happy with but chances are <laughs> you're they're not going to catch you <laughs> I've been caught out yet. Yeah, you don't know you've been caught out. Yeah, well. But I forget that, like, we'll film this and then it's not exactly coming out tomorrow. So then it might be like two months later and be like, why did you say that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember saying that there. (laughs) What possessed you to go out with that? But uh, no, thank you very much, Bethany, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's been a fantastic story. Unfortunately, Ed actually missed the really mad bit, but I'm sure he'll go back. And have a peek. What Ed's quite good at doing is I'm actually at a stage where I'm not really ahead of things at the minute. I try and edit, you know, a good few weeks. I now will be. And we'll upload them to the app that Ed has access to. And he sits and watches them like or listens to them in the parlor like the second they're up. So he'll like pick up on any issues where it was really handy. Um but I think you'll enjoy that one. I think you'll really enjoy yeah. that one. It's a really good episode. Yeah, cool. Um I'm sure everyone listening will enjoy the story. That's been episode number 141 which is really really mad to me and actually it's just reminded me of a thing i would love if anyone's listening knows a professional snooker player and the reason for that is i know it's random but how cool would it be for episode number 147 to be a snooker player you don't understand what that means yeah no 100 yeah 147 break i thought that'd be really cool so if i can get that it'd be great no i was actually trying to think if, if i had do you know any snooker sources players? um not the top of my head but do you know any snooker good. players Bethany? Not snooker, darts maybe, but well, I'll have a think. They'll be for 180. They'll be for 180. That'd be cool to them. Yeah. I reckon we could get, yeah, there's a load in Britain. What, what we forget someone. is 147, at the point of release, I'll be filming 141. We've just released 133. So That's like next week. <laughs> this is the insane thing. That's the problem. It's 14 away, but 14 episodes is seven weeks. 
Yeah, you've not got long together. Then. Why have I created this insane product? Mm. I just went too far. Anyway, thank you all so very much for listening. Before, I actually remember Wallace's very first. I'm an OG. So, That's but great. no, thanks guys for having me on. It's been amazing. And any listeners, thank you for listening if you're still listening. Oh, I'm sure they absolutely will be. I think it's a great story. Thank you for coming on. If you do want to go back and watch R2 Cast number one, which Bethany's just mentioned, go and watch it. It's with the Ethical Butcher, Glenn Burrows of the Ethical Butcher. If you ever heard of Veganuary and you have a brain cell, you'll know it's nonsense. And what the Ethical Butcher conceptualized was the idea of Regenuary, which was looking at using products in this country that we have available in January, i.e. meat. Uh, milk, all these sort of things. We have fantastic fruit and veg products in the summertime. I don't know why the hell you consider doing it in January. And they made a really successful campaign over that. They're really big on social media these days. And it was a pleasure. And if you want to have a laugh, click on it because it does the wee Rural to Kitchen sort of song at the start. Welcome to Rural to Kitchen, all this sort of jazz. And then it goes, oh, yeah, what I'll do, mate, is I'll edit out the first bit before I hit record, and then we'll be fine. Welcome back, everyone. And then I'm like, wait, why am I saying back? <laughs> Nothing. Why have I left the bit in telling about the recording? Why have I said welcome back? It's a nightmare. Right, so enjoy that. Go have a listen. Today's been a great episode. We've been to 5,190 metres above sea level Take a second to think what that is. If you're in Scotland, we only have 1,300. In the UK, we have 1,300. In Scotland, I don't think you can actually make sense of what height that is. That is the height almost of Kilimanjaro, the, hard, the highest peak in Africa, the highest freestanding peak on the planet. Uh, what a story, and thank you for telling it, Bethany. So we'll see you all for the next episode, number 142. I don't have a clue who it is, but I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you very much. See ya.